When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and happy Thanksgiving. This is an ad-free edition, a brief one, very abbreviated on the turkey day. Wanted to have something here for you, for the real diehards, and just for folks who maybe need something to get them through Friday until Susie's show, the FAC party, typically down on the corner of Colfax in New York at the DNVR bar. She is away right now, but uh, I think I might be there on on Black Friday because that's U.S. men's national team against England on Black Friday. Wow, that's uh, that was going to be really really fun. But I wanted you guys to have something to, to really hold you over for the time being, especially since we didn't have any transactions here in the day leading up to or the days leading up to Thanksgiving, uh, like we have had it in the past, just a little bit. Just a little bit in recent memory for the Rockies. I know uh, Tommy Canely uh, was traded to the White Sox for Yensei Almonte. Minor leaguer that uh, we didn't know very much uh, at the time uh, what he was going to do, what kind of impact he would have at the big league level. That went down two days before Thanksgiving in 2015. Uh, Rex Brothers was actually traded to the Cubs the next day, so the day before Thanksgiving. What a, what a time to be alive to see the Rockies trade away two relievers in the exact same offseason, they were still, you know, two years away from making the postseason there uh, at that point in, in 2015. Uh, what, what they could have known on Thanksgiving Eve 2019, Jose Mojica was claimed off of waivers from the Tampa Bay Ways Rays. Uh, the, the real ones will remember him briefly uh, from the 2020 pandemic season. There were a couple names from that year that I, I sort of wonder if, if we did have a 162-game season 
if those players would have gotten a little bit more runway and, and would have had more time to play and been more memorable. But there are some interesting names. Shoot, we, we discussed this, I want to say, maybe in April or May uh, on a podcast, and I'm, I'm pretty sure all of the names on that list, Tommy Doyle, Antonio Santos, there, there were a couple other ones um, that still uh, I had to look to, to remember them because uh, I haven't really thought of them very much because uh, their time in the majors with the Rockies was very, very brief. Uh, they didn't make the same impact that a guy like Johan Flande had made. We all love Johan Flande. Jeff uh, Hoffman, yes, that uh, that era was over in uh, 2020. So we're still in the middle of the pandemic there, but on Thanksgiving Eve, Jeff Hoffman and the Castle Rock product from Colorado, Case Williams, was traded to Cincinnati for Robert Stevenson and outfielder Jamison Hanna. Of course, Case Williams did end up coming back in the Michael Givens trade. So that was pretty much uh, all that we had on the days leading up to Thanksgiving in Rockies history and recent memory. Didn't quite get that this year, but we did have some players get added to the 40-man a couple weeks back. And we did have a anniversary, a pretty, pretty big, pretty substantial anniversary again though the Rockies themselves may not uh, do a great job of acknowledging their history as much as we want them to and as much as we all deserve that history to get acknowledged. It was the 30th anniversary of the expansion draft. You know, the the day before that draft, uh, so November 16th, 1992, Rocky saw Andre Scalarado, their first star. Boom, right there. And then in November 17th, 1992, they picked up 36 players. Uh, we have an article over on the dnvr.com now, uh, totally free for you there. We've changed up our, our model just a little bit. We're giving the diehards, those members of ours, a lot more benefits for uh, joining us at the dnvr.com. Those diehards getting diehard level content, uh, members only discord, discord, the diehard levels, discord, that's what we've got for you. Uh, but hey, look, if you just consume the podcast for free, totally fine. Uh, we got free articles for you all the time. And this was cool catching up with Frenny Benavides. Uh, he's a bench coach for the Cincinnati Reds, and he started on opening day. He was the starting shortstop. Think about that, the long lineage of great shortstop in Rockies history. You know, if you want to say it started with Walt Weiss, you could. Nafi Perez, the first homegrown guy. Troy Tulowitzki, Trevor Story. Ever so briefly, Jose Iglesias. I don't, I don't know that we're going to have a Jose Iglesias era uh, properly in any capacity, but uh, it was fun. It was fun for that one year while it lasted. But Freddie Benavides was that first guy, and it was really cool hearing his you know, remembrances of that first year at Mile High with 80,000 people there. Uh, the memorabilia that he has, again, I want you to go and check that article out, enjoy it, have some remembrances from Vinny Castilla, Joe Girardi, Kevin Ritz, uh, the Kevin Reimer trade, AKA the Dante Bichette trade, as it were. And I can remember last week having the discussion with Susie about the expansion draft, which of course happened again in 1997, as we were awaiting the arrival for the Rays and Arizona Diamondbacks. And when the time comes for us to get two more teams and have 32, we're going to have another expansion draft. So we've got a ways to go, but I thought it might be a fun exercise to really examine what the Rockies would do if 2023 were one of those expansion seasons. So all teams have a 40-man roster, of course, and each team in an expansion draft gets to protect 
15 players. And that, that may have changed in time uh, in, in the early 1960s when what was the original expansion era, uh, that his numbers may have been different. But more recent times, 15 out of the 40 guys you can protect. Uh, with each round, there are three or so more guys that you can then protect. There may be a cap, in fact, on how many players can be taken from your roster, but it's usually three to four guys. And the goal uh, is, is ultimately to, to leave the expansion draft, or rather have your roster as fully intact as possible. Your most valued pieces are still on your roster. The, maybe the least valuable pieces you're hoping the opposing team takes. Trevor Hoffman is the only Hall of Famer, other than Hoyt Wilhelm, who never even played for the Kansas City Royals. Trevor Hoffman is the only Hall of Famer ever taken in an expansion draft. So these are players that are not superstars. All-stars, some of them. Some of them do develop into that. Andy Ashby is is one of those guys I can remember uh, was actually a a Rockies draft pick uh, in that expansion draft. We know Vinny Castilla and and Eric Young Sr., all all those guys for the Rockies eventually did become all-stars. But for the most part, these players are not all-stars in that moment. So you want to keep your best talent. And value does not always equal talent. Talent. Value may not even equal production over salary. It's just are these players that you want to keep around and the ones that you leave exposed, if they go elsewhere, is that not so bad? Or is that maybe even good that somebody took them off your hands? And usually those are players that the uh, the expansion teams do not want to link themselves with. So for example, Chris Bryant would be a player that I don't believe that if the Rockies were doing uh, or were involved in an expansion draft, he would not be one of their 15 players. Not because he's not one of their best 15. He's absolutely one of their best 15 players on the 40-man roster. It's just that you do not need to use up one of those 15 spots in order to keep Chris Bryant with $160 plus million still left on his deal over the next six years. A brand new team would most certainly not want to tether itself to a player making that money that they did not sign themselves. If they wanted to spend that kind of money, $100 plus million, you could wait for the next offseason. Or you could even make a move that offseason right then and there, even before the expansion draft, and sign someone to a $100 million deal. You don't need to pick up somebody else's $100 plus million contract. So for that reason, Chris Bryant would not be one of those 15 players. Now, the three most easiest players to protect would be the two rookies that we saw this last year that have been amongst their top prospects, Michael Tolia, Ezekiel Tovar. Those guys are making the league minimum, and they're going to produce. You might even see them be all-stars in the next three years. And the reason I say three years is because they will have made the league minimum, something close to $750,000, and they could be all-stars. They could have you know up to 10 wins above replacement. In the first three years before that arbitration, unless they're super two, they are going to be making the league minimum. And that has a lot of value. Besides just being really talented guys, that has a lot of value to be a very good ball player, and you're making the least amount possible. So for that reason, Brendan Rodgers would be another one of those players you would very easily want to protect because his salary is still very low. Now, this is his first year of arbitration. I can't recall off the top of my head what his first year arbitration number might be. I'm guessing it can't be really any higher than $3 million dollars. Uh, right now. And again, it will continue to grow, but for a guy who is, you know, broken out in 2022 and, and could possibly be an all-star here the next couple of years, 
he has a lot of surplus value. Those are the three easiest guys that you could protect right now on the 40-man roster. If you're not on the 40-man roster, you cannot be selected. So a brand new team in Las Vegas, Nashville, Vancouver, Montreal, wherever it may be, those two new expansion clubs can't just go and look and say, you know what, we'd rather just have Zach Veen. You know, let's put him on our 40-man. Maybe we'll even start him opening day. Who cares? No, uh, you, you can't do that. Only 40-man roster guys can be selected in the expansion draft. So uh, those are your three guys for sure. Tolia Rogers, Tovar. Tier two gets kind of complicated because, again, there aren't too many standout players that are really much better than what their salary is. Now, and, and let me kind of rephrase it because if you're making the league minimum, I mean, shoot, even if you're a replacement level kind of talent, that's pretty darn good because we know uh, there are many guys, especially in Rockies history, where they were making well above the league minimum and were not very productive. They were just as productive as a, a guy in AAA that you would call up to replace that struggling star or injured star, whatever it may be. So, you know, really in no particular order, if we're talking about guys still making the minimum, Jonathan Daza is in there, Sean Bouchard, Bretton Doyle, who's still yet to make his major league debut. These are questions that really only the Rockies could answer. How high is the ceiling for a Brenton Doyle? I would tend to think that there's a reason they put him on the 40-man roster, not just because they didn't want him selected in the Rule 5 draft. It's because he could be a very viable piece for them as soon as next season. So you would have to protect Doyle. Lucas Gilbreth, we're waiting to see what happens with his injury. Will he miss some time in 2023? Will he miss the entire year? We hope that's not the case. But as a left-handed guy who would still then have three to four years left of club control and maybe more importantly, the fact that he's a Colorado guy, you're like, hey, that has a lot of additional value to us. So we're going to go ahead and hold on to him. Same thing with the Tyler Kinley. You extended him out. He's still relatively cheap. An expansion team uh, could take him, put him on the 40-man roster, then immediately put him on the 60-day IL once the season starts, freeing up a new space for another player and you maybe not may not get him until after the all-star break but then next year he's really cheap at about 1.6 million dollars after that i want to say it's something like three million dollars and then there's a five million dollar option after that so he is incredibly affordable you would want a guy like that if you're an expansion club trying to protect a bullpen that you know is going to be a wreck not going to be the case uh, with with a tyler kinley so rockies would certainly need to protect him the two-third baseman Warming Bernabel and uh, Elias Montero. Again, league minimum guys. We're still waiting to see what their ceilings are. So those are those would be great players for another expansion team to take. Bernabel, you're not going to put him on the opening day roster, but he's going to be there in in Double A for you, waiting in the wings. Elias Montero, you might start him out there in third base, throw him out there. You know, 140, 145 games a season. See what he can do. And then you're going to ride him out for five more years until he reaches free agency. Montero would be perfect for an expansion club. That's why the Rockies would have to protect him as one of their 15. The new guy, Nolan Jones, a former top 100 prospect, uh, as recently as the start of the 2021 season. Well, we don't know what we're, uh, we can expect out of him, but by all accounts, uh, a lot of sources that I talked to really think the Rockies did incredibly well to acquire a guy like Nolan Jones. They gave up someone that we know our guy, uh, Stephen Rice, there in Fresno, really, really enjoys in Juan Brito. 
I thought of, I sort of thought he would be one of those guys that would be added to the 40 man, uh, but they give him up. They clearly did not want to use a 40 man spot on him. And yet they were able to get something for him and not worry that they would get nothing for that something because someone could just take him in the rule five draft. Now that's not going to be the case. Cleveland guardians are going to put him on the 40 man. They already have. And now Nolan Jones is here to play some corner outfield with his left-handed bat. That's a premium right now with the shift being banned. So I think those are the guys that would definitely get protected that are still at the bottom of the payroll that an expansion club would love to have. These are big leaguers making the minimum. Now with that, you've got really three other players that are not making the minimum. I wouldn't say they're making a lot of money, but they are not cheap. You still want to keep them around. That being Airman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Ryan McMahon. Now, I think another an expansion team would probably have some interest in these players. Marquez, he, he's only got two more years left of, of team control. In fact, it's going to be 2023. Uh, is is where he's at for $15.3 million. And then there's a $16 million team option for next year. So, you know, to an expansion club, that could be just a one-year deal. Sure, why not? That's that's an opening day starter. Marquez has already started an opening day twice. So that would be perfect for you right there. Got to protect him. Freeland, similar story. He's got a little bit more money coming to him. Same thing with a guy like Ryan McMahon, uh, who still has five more years left before he uh, touches free agency again. Freeland only got four more with uh, with that option there in 2027. So, you know, again, those guys would, would be the leaders in a new clubhouse for an expansion club. So those would be the guys that you would really have to worry about another club taking. Anyone else? I don't know that you're, you know, that much worried about. Charlie Blackman, you go, wait a minute, he's the face of the Rockies right now in very many ways. He's got one year remaining. So it wouldn't be a major loss for the Rockies to not have him next year in the 2023. He's making $15 million for a guy who's more of a DH. An expansion club might pass on that. They might say that would be cool uh, to, to have somebody that's you know notable, uh, that I don't know, he's a household name for a lot of baseball fans. Um, he probably is for a lot more than, than we might realize. He's very household in Colorado. But depending on where you're at, or where this team is is located, maybe if it was like a Nashville or a Charlotte nearby where Charlie Blackman grew up in Georgia, maybe you could make that case. That actually could be fit. I think the Rockies would be fine saying, you know what, we're not going to protect him because we don't think an expansion team is going to take him. So you're going to have to take somebody else, someone like a, a Gavin Hollowell or Blair Calvo or Ryan Feltner. Feltner might even be on that list of guys you want to keep around. Austin Gomber. Right, it it the Rockies would have a better idea which of of those two guys they might want to protect and say, well, you know what, we're going to lose one of these two guys. Which one do we definitely want to keep? Uh, I think the same is true for C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick. Going back to Charlie Blackman, they're going to be free agents after 2023. So you know, Bard would be great for an expansion club to to close out the ninth inning. Crone, an immediate guy to protect some of the younger hitters in the lineup for one year. So, of course, you'd be saddened to lose those guys, but you're only losing one year. And Randall Gritchick, uh, another one of those guys uh, who's a free agent after 2023. Um, correct myself, Daniel Bard is not a free agent until 2024, 
Grichik is the one who's a free agent after uh, next season. But Bard would would, would probably be a, a real good pickup for a team, only making $19 million. Senzatella, we got to wait and see what's happening for his injury. I think you could leave him out there. A team maybe wants something more uh, of a sure thing before taking on Senzatella and, uh, and the remaining money that he has left on his deal over the next four years. Uh, if you were healthy, I think you probably want to protect a guy like that. But again, all of this comes down to the strategy. Like you, you just want to put guys out there that you hope the other team is going to pass on, or you are not going to be quite as upset if one of those fringier players, maybe that be a Riley Pine or two injured guys like Ryan Rawlison or Peter Lambert, right? Expansion club's going to take their chances on a player like that. Maybe even a Brian Servant, a backup catcher. They're going to they're going to take their chances on that. Uh, but if you lose a player like him, as opposed to someone younger where the upside is still unknown, like a Julio Carreras or Warming Bernabel, Nolan Jones, and then the more obvious slam dunks like Atolia, Tovar, and Brendan Rodgers, you have to make sure that you protect those guys. So that's that's some of the logic, some of the strategy that ends up going into uh, an expansion draft. And uh, and it's kind of fascinating to see you know how that ends up going down. And uh, we've got many years away until something like that happens, you know, go, going back to the money thing and saying, Hey, maybe if this, uh, this other team could take some money off of our hands. It's not so, uh, so big of a deal if we were to lose a player like that. But bottom line, Rockies uh, are going to have some money to spend in a sense next year. Right now, their estimated luxury tax payroll for 2022 is $182 million in 2024, it's 103 million. That's it. You know, seven and a half coming off the books with CJ Crone. We'll wait and see what happens with Marquez if they want to pick up his option. If so, tack on another 16 mil there. Grichik's uh, 10 million dollars and the luxury tax payroll. Yes, uh, but his contract is is being paid down uh, four plus million dollars, so it's closer to six million they're paying this year. They won't have to pay that at all next year in the 15 million dollars for Charlie Blackman comes off the books. So it's not like, you know, um, the loss of a McMahon or a Freeland or Marquez or Senzatella is, is that much of a boon because, Hey, now we have extra money to spend. Well, those are guys that are, have been contributing at Coors Field and, and can play in Colorado. So you don't want to lose them and, and you don't need to maybe save any money going forward there. So, you know, I, I think the financials are really good for the Rockies. So, you know, Blackman would probably be the the only guy that it might be stunning to see his name on there. You can still roster Freeland. You can still roster McMahon. So what's the 15? Bottom line, what's the 15? Tolia, Rogers, and Tovar are a slam dunk. Uh, I think Daza, Bouchard, Bretton Doyle, Lucas Gilbreth, Tyler Kinley, Warming Bernabel, Elias Montero, and Nolan Jones. That puts me at 11. I'm going to go ahead and put Marquez. Freeland and McMahon on that list. That's 14. Yes, I'm going to leave Bryant, Blackman, and Senzatella out there because I think an expansion team probably wouldn't make a move on that. And then it really comes down to Bard, Feltner, or Gomber. And I don't know what the Rockies would do exactly. I think I think maybe you, they, would, they would probably protect Daniel Bard and say, well, if Feltner gets taken – when we can protect three more guys, we'll protect Gomber. If Gomber gets taken, we'll protect Ryan Feltner ahead of the next round. And you kind of cross your fingers and say, all right, well, you know, if Denelson Lamette's got a one-year deal, 
um, before he hits free agency in 20 after 2023. So if you lose him, it's not big, that big of a deal. You know, uh, if it's a reliever, you know, certainly Justin Lawrence, a, a closer for the future, that would be a bummer. But again, uh, it's still unclear, you know, what he's going to be able to contribute to the, to the future of the franchise. Is that a major loss? Maybe not. Alan Trejo, again, major loss, maybe not. So uh, that's that's some of the strategy that that's involved in that. And so uh, I thought that was a fun, interesting exercise to do here uh, on uh, on Thanksgiving Day. I, I hope you guys really enjoy that. I hope you enjoy Susie's show on, on Friday. And we'll be back with uh, another full week, our final full week of doing shows at the DNVR Rockies podcast before winter meetings hits. I will be in San Diego for that with a couple other guys from all city media, that being Jesse Friedman, who I had the pleasure of talking with on Wednesday about the state of the Diamondbacks. He will be there representing PHNX Diamondbacks. Ryan Herrera, who we talked to early in the season in April, had a good time catching up with him at spring training when the lockout was over down in Scottsdale. He will also be there representing CHGO Cubs and and kind of pulling a little double duty, uh, keeping an eye on the White Sox as well. So he'll be super busy. I'll be super busy. We're all going to be busy. We, we hope the Rockies are busy as well. That's that's a, certainly a good thing. The roster has been changing. There's been a decent amount of, of turnover, uh, and we all know that the Rockies really need to do a lot more to kind of point themselves in the right direction, which I think they are. I think they are pointing in the right direction, but so much of that has to do with the prospects. And you can wait until 2025 maybe for that window to really start to open up when Tovar and Tolley have a couple years under their belt. We see what happens with a guy like Sean Bouchard. Maybe Feltner can kind of figure out some things and and be a, a solid number three starter. But Zach Veen's up in the majors. Drew Romo. Countless number of prospects are there. And you start to say, okay, this is a team that has the pieces, that has a core, a young core, to go to the postseason. You can expedite that with a really solid offseason. You could have expedited that, of course, at the trade deadline. This past year and 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 get something for nothing for guys that were going to be free agents anyway. You could have been able to do that. Um, so we'll sort of see what happens this offseason if the Rockies will learn from that. Maybe they'll lay some groundwork so that when the trade deadline comes this year, they'll be a little bit more active to help the future of the franchise because that's what it's about. When you wave that white flag, sure, that is uh that is not an admission to be taken lightly. Uh, and we know the Rockies don't like waving that that flag. It's why they've never tanked before. It's why they're very proud of having never lost 100 games in a season. But when you do that, it allows you to then strategize and improve the future of the franchise and make certain moves. No guaranteed moves. Of course not. Of course not. These, these prospects sometimes can be suspects. But a player that's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, when you're out of contention, is 100% not going to help you in two years. A prospect in AA could, and that's an upgrade. That is absolutely an upgrade. So we'll see what kind of upgrades we'll get this offseason from the Rockies. We're going to be having fun. Hope everybody has a really great turkey day out there. Follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. At Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm at. And make sure you're wishing a happy turkey day to at the Susie Hunter. This has been wonderful. But you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as your next show. So make sure you're tuning in to the DNVR Rockies podcast on YouTube, on the DNVR Sports channel at 5 p.m. 
on Friday.